0: video and uh it's just exciting to see what God is doing around here and so if you're not a part of that you got a chance to join them and uh made me want to join them and be a part of it even though I'm not a woman but I know I got something coming up on August uh, 17th out at Danton's place we got an intentional manhood so uh we got something we can do too um So I hope you're enjoying this series that we started, and I want to tell you that it's fun to be a part of a teaching team where we get a chance to kind of rotate. Josh does most of the preaching, I think, because he's the best preacher, and that's as it should be, but I enjoy listening to Todd preach last week, and I enjoy getting the opportunity to preach myself. It gives me a chance. It actually kind of makes me study a little bit more during the week when I prepare my lesson And that's a blessing for me, it's something good for me, and I hope it kind of transfers into something that's good for you guys as well. And so we're going to start today, uh, chapter 1, verse 19, let's see, first slide, I'm still trying to figure out how this works, there we go, there we go. So would you bow with me and let's uh, pray for a second and then we'll get started with this. Father, we thank you so much for this beautiful day and for the opportunity that we have to come together, but especially we thank you for all the great things that you're doing in our lives. We pray, Father, that you would open our eyes, the eyes of our heart, and help us to see you at work and to see what you are doing and help us to see what you want us to do as we move forward in partnership with you. Father, we ask all this through Jesus' name. Amen. Philippians is like a candy shop. I mean, if you go in there, if you're looking for nuggets of truth of God, it is just great. It overflows with it. And so if you can't preach lessons out of Philippians, there's something wrong there. And I feel like that I've got one of the better ones. Um, But I'm sure Josh is going to say that next week when he does chapter 2 and when he gets to chapter 4. They're all good. But um, if you have, um, let's see. Maybe, maybe I'll just point when I want you to go. Alright, so if you haven't gotten one of these little booklets, I would highly recommend that you do so because it's a lot of fun. I mean, you can scribble in them, you can mark in different colors, and you can mark them up. And they're available right over there on the table if you'd like to get one. There's still some available. They cost us $3. We're passing them on to you for that same price. But, but get it, and you can kind of collect these. We're going to try to get these, I believe, and share them with you as we do other uh, books of the Bible But I would highly recommend that you do that. And Todd left off last week with the uh, verse 18, where he says, What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed. And in that I rejoice. And so we're going to talk about how Christ is proclaimed today. And this section has always been one of the most fascinating sections to me, because... Paul makes a bold statement in this section. It's right there in the middle where he says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Next slide. So when he says that, he is saying something that is deep and profound and important to him. So the next one gives us a little bit of perspective. When he says, for me to die, or for me to live is Christ and to die is gain, kind of Maybe gives you an idea what what's going through this guy's mind. I mean, I'm sure he's pretty serious about saving his life. His perspective is not, hmm, I wonder what I'm going to have for dinner tonight. I mean, it's a matter of life and death. You kind of wonder why he didn't drop the bike, right? Well, it could be an $8,000 bike. You never know. But anyway, he's focused. So next slide. Paul is the same. has the same laser-sharp focus. He is sharing the lens through which he sees life. And through that lens, he's telling us there's two options. One is to die and go be with Christ, and that's preferable. But the other is to stay and serve and to be used in God's kingdom. And he says that is more necessary for the Philippians. Now, this life and death perspective, I think, gets a little bit easier when you get older. And I talked to people like Aline Gregoire and other people who are getting up in years, and when their body parts don't work as well as they used to, when it's a little bit harder to walk, and believe me, I'm starting to be able to relate to that, it, heaven looks better. And then Charlene, uh, Kim Brunkhart's mom, taught me something I hadn't thought about this week as I was kind of walking around with her a little bit here on the campus, and she said, you know, and when you lose all of your friends, life's just not as much fun as it used to be. And I'd never really quite thought about it like that. But I think age has a way of kind of sharpening our focus, but it's something that is not wasted on the youth. I think this is a concept that is best learned young because it can lead you down the right path all of your life and you can make so much more of a difference with your life if you understand what Paul is trying to teach us here. So his perspective doesn't come without going through some stuff in life. Paul went through some stuff in his life. And if you look at the 2 Corinthians 11 passage here, I mean, he was in prison, and he was beaten with rods, he was whipped, he was shipwrecked, he was out in the open sea, and he was always in danger from robbers and, and his own people. And he just went all through all this stuff in his life. But on the next slide, I think we see that it wasn't his life experiences that gave him this perspective. I think when you truly die to sin and to self, your eyes are opened. You look at the world differently and you see the real value of eternity and the real spiritual battle that is taking place in people's lives and in your own life around us. And it's important to have our eyes opened, and it comes through that process. So you realize that everything that you do now makes a difference in the kingdom of God, in the kingdom of heaven. And I'm not talking about your salvation. I'm not talking about making sure that you do enough so you can earn your way into heaven, so you've got to score the points. Your, your salvation can be secure, but everything that you do and say impacts other people. That's why Paul is saying that proclaiming Christ becomes the most important thing that you live for. It becomes more important than living for yourself. Now, wait a minute. Be careful. When I say proclaiming Christ, don't put a definition on that just yet. Don't look at it as being on the corner of the square down there preaching the gospel with a track rack next to you. That may be part of it, but that's not what I'm talking about. That's not what Paul is talking about. So you realize that how you live your life releases God's power and truth into people's lives. Or it can keep them from even looking for it. So if you don't hear anything else I say this morning, I want you to listen to this, because this is the most important thing that I'll say. It's not your faith in him. It's his power in you that affects people. I'll say it again, it's not your faith in him, it's his power working in you that changes people's lives. Next slide shows you how this works. We've all seen pictures of icebergs, right? So icebergs are so cool. They've got this little bitty part up above the water and this massive weight underneath the water. And one thing about an iceberg is you cannot turn it upside down, no matter how you want how much you want to because all of the mass all of the weight all of the body of it is down on the bottom it's on the solid part and it's interesting can you imagine yourself on this iceberg let's say this was your life can you imagine yourself on this iceberg with a little canoe paddle going trying to move the thing from one place to another no that's ridiculous But think for just a minute about the God of the universe that created all things that we know. He created tides and currents and winds. He can move that thing any place he wants to. That's his business. That's his work, not ours. Ours is to rest on the truth that God is working in us regardless of whether we see it or not. And our challenge is to recognize it. So on the next slide, we see a little bit perspective of this, a little different perspective of this. This is not a guy hanging on for his life. This is a biker that gets a good idea, and he says, hey, watch this. So when you're biking, anything that starts out with, hey, watch this, right, Paul? you got to watch out for it. That's dangerous. But this is just some poser laying on the road, making a picture, and you can flip it up right, and it's the same thing. People are going to discount our faith if it's not real, if it's not genuine. But if it is, it is so much more powerful than we even understand. Next slide. So when we flip the page in our little booklets or we go to the next section over here, which is verse 27, Paul defines proclaiming the gospel. He says, next slide, you can read it a little better. He says, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ so that whether I come to you and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit and in one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel and not frightened in anything by your opponents. So he's telling us what proclaiming the gospel is It's the way you live, it's your manner of life. It's all those little choices that you make from raising your children to how you treat your spouse to how you work at work. All of that is your manner of life. All of that is proclaiming the gospel. Next slide. So as your perspective changes, so does your manner of life. You can't hide it. You can think that you hide it, but you can't hide it forever. But here is the good news. Our change in perspective is what enables us to stand together, to strive together, to have courage together. Perseverance, it's what enables us to carry on and to carry the gospel out into the world around us by our example. Collective impact is a, is a, a phrase, it's, a, it's an idea, it's actually a science that I just discovered a couple of weeks ago, and it's so fascinating to me. Maybe you, like me, all my life have been amazed by some of these huge problems, like education reform, or global uh, warming, climate change, or health care, racial and gender equality, eliminating poverty, homelessness, food insecurity these huge insurmountable problems. How do you solve these problems? How do you even move the needle a little bit to improve those? Collective impact. Collective impact is when we figure out that one person, one company, one entity, one group can't make a change in all these areas, but a lot of different groups working together can move the needle. And so, As we kind of think about that, next slide, public faith kind of pops up. What are we as a group of Christians trying to do? Proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. We're trying to help people see and understand that it's really much better to live your life as a Christian with faith than it is to try to figure out how to do it on your own or with the best understanding that mankind has to offer now. And so, as insecurity and selfishness and willful sin begin to lose their control over us and we can set them aside, then we can help each other to stand for truth and godliness. And it not only makes a change in our lives and our marriages and our families, but it also makes a change in our world. We focus less on our differences and less on our busyness. And in that way, we can live our life more loudly proclaiming Christ. So understanding how to stand firm in one spirit is very important for us to do. And I think you would be surprised. We're actually doing a lot more of that than we realize or give us credit, give ourselves credit for sometimes. But striving side by side for the faith and the gospel that produces focus and energy in us. It kind of weeds out maybe all of the opportunities that, or some of the opportunities that we have to do, and we can kind of focus more on what's important if for me to live as Christ and to die is gain. And I'm especially fascinated by the fearlessness part. Have courage, don't be afraid. So fearing less in the face of opposition with our eyes on Christ and not on the problem, not on the opposition, is what empowers us. And it also is what draws attention to us. When we are facing opposition, the world would expect us to be afraid. If we don't fear, or if we, fearless, remember, is not not having fear, it's just doing the right thing anyway, right? We all know that. So it's fearing less than the amount of faith that you have. So we got a great example of this. Two weeks ago, you remember what was on the stage here? BBS. We had a tent. We had an amazing tent up here. BBS was a huge success this year. Was it a success because of uh, Missy and Jeff and the great leadership and Deidre and all those others that led it? Was it a great success because of all the hundreds of volunteers that helped uh, teach the classes and move the kids around? Yes, and yes. But it was a success because the people involved in it were doing what God wanted them to do. Now here is something that kind of amazed me, and I hope it does you as well. I was digging through the numbers this week And I went through all the online applications and all the card registrations of that. And there were 292 kids signed up for VBS during the week. 192 of those were our kids. They were in our database. They were members' children. So that means 100 children came to our VBS that weren't ours. I mean, they could have been grandkids. They could have been children of people who used to go here, but they weren't ours. We don't get to have a regular influence on their life. But we did those four nights. And, next slide, they had fun. They had a blast. And they didn't hear, turn or burn, repent. They heard, hey, living your life in Christ is great, it's fun, because look at all these amazing wonders. And that was fun for me to watch. I would bet it was fun for you to watch. There was a lot of work that went into putting that on, but the next slide shows you why we did it. That's why we did it. A 100 kids got to see that that maybe don't get to see the love of Christ displayed in a whole bunch of people out having fun. Is that public faith or what? Is that an opportunity for us to live like Christians in front of others or what? I mean, I can see the smiles on your face. All of you that were involved in it, you enjoyed it, didn't it? You had fun. And it was just a good thing. So we've got things around the corner. August 17th, Intentional Manhood, out at Danton's. We've got Dude Cathalon later on. Later on in the fall, we have Community Care Day. We have opportunities where we can reach out and show people how and why for us to live is Christ. So if any of this sounds like something you want, and you just feel like you're not quite there yet, or you want to become a Christian, or you want to be baptized, now's the time to do it. Ted's going to get up. We're going to sing a song in just a minute. Not just yet, Ted. (laughs) And the shepherds that are here are going to get to the back. They're going to move to the back. And we'd like for you to let us know how we can pray for you or how we can help you. So we're going to... Oh, oh, wait, 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 wait. Just a minute. Did I mention that if you live this way, you're going to suffer? That's the best part, right? That's the best part of the whole thing. You may get busier in the process, or you may have to make some really tough choices about cutting some things out that are less important than proclaiming the gospel. And if you live, for you to live as Christ... You're going to be putting more windows in your house. And people like to look in those windows. They like to see how you really live your life. And if you stand up against sin, guess what? It paints a target on you. And people are going to take shots at you because you're trying to represent Christ in life. And those are hard. It is hard. You know that. But here's the good news. The good news is that God will bless you more than you can ask or imagine, Ephesians 3.20. And that's true. And you can rest on that. See, that's the big part of the iceberg under the bottom. That's the part that doesn't change, it doesn't move. It's always the same, and it is ice solid. I guess I could say rock solid, but I mean, it's solid. And so we trust in that. So if that's something you want for your life, Ted is going to stand up. We are going to sing an invitation song, and we'd like to hear from you. Let's stand. What oh, love to remember the wrongs we have done. On Israel, no we counts not that some. Thrown into a sea without bottom or shore.